Hello, everybody. This is going to be episode number six, I believe, of Price Archery and Hunting. Um, this was a fun one. I did a over-the-phone interview uh, with my hunting partner and one of my best buddies out there, Chris Oswalt. We talked about our Oregon elk hunting trip and some some mistakes that were made and some things we did right, but we had a great time and kind of do a good little recap on that. There's also going to be another episode involved um, with our other hunting partner and friend, Steven. Um, he kind of had his own story that happened during the, the trip that I'm going to go over with him. I think we'll make a really good episode as well. So I just want to tell everybody thank you for uh, downloading it and listening and uh, subscribing and liking and all that good stuff everybody's been doing. Um, I also want to let everyone know I've got a bunch of the kinks worked out with my over-the-phone type of interviews and stuff like that. So that's going to really open up the show to a lot more. I've already lined up some really cool stuff that I think uh, everybody's going to enjoy. And we'll have some awesome hunters and target archers on uh, that people probably know of and so if anybody has questions or anything like that send them in you can uh, send them to me on Facebook or Instagram Uh, everything I have all my socials are just under Cody Price and it's P-R-E-I-S and There's also a feature on the Anchor app, so if you're listening to this podcast on Anchor and you have the app, you can go in and you can actually send in a voice message um, asking a question, which I can add to the episode um, and play it and, you know, answer that question. So if anybody's interested in that, it's out there. Otherwise, thank you everybody for listening, and uh, there's lots more great stuff coming up, so I appreciate the support. All right, finally, we're recording. We're doing it live. (laughs) We're doing it live, not really, but it's fun to say, I guess. It is fun to say. I think we have different interpretations of live. I mean, live for me is just alive. The fact that we are actually doing it, so that works. yeah, yeah, we've been t- <laughs> we've been talking about doing this for quite a while now, and almost did it like four times. Yeah. <laughs> so for everybody listening, I'm talking with my brother and hunting partner, Chris Oswalt. How are you doing tonight, Chris? Doing good, man. Awesome. Right on. I I just came back from taking the kid to karate after a 10-hour day, and I'm taking it with her now, too. So that makes it more fun. Are you really? I am. Yeah. Yeah, it's not too bad. I get to do the second class, and she gets to stay and practice, and that's her favorite thing now. So it works out. Dude, that's awesome. (laughs) Gonna make you a little less clunky in the woods. <laughs> I yeah, I'm hoping it'll help my hips out because that that was one of my issues this year. I, I felt it in my hips, man, and that 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 ball joint in there. 
I felt yep. that it was kind of rough. And my, my little uh, clicking knee, that probably scared some elk away. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Nah, they're louder than that. It took it took a solid day for that to stop clicking on me. That oh no kidding that frustrated me. Yeah, I heard it all day. And when everyone went downhill, I I didn't even feel like downhill was a break anymore because I just every step I heard click 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 on my kneecap. Oh jeez. <laughs> yeah. So we got lots to talk about, man. We do. Definitely do. So. Um, First, I kind of want you to introduce yourself a little bit and um, kind of explain where you got your hunting bug and um, especially maybe how that kind of transitioned a little bit into backpack hunting. Yeah, totally. So, uh, you know, I think my, hopefully my story is fairly relatable. Um, I was a a product of the suburbs most of my life. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. You know, grew up, grew up pretty, pretty, fairly poor, but always somehow had access to, to some version of a back 40. Um, my dad was into hiking, so, you know, grew up in central California. So I was tromping around one of the most beautiful mountain ranges in the world during the Sierras. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, didn't, you know, never appreciated it uh, until I left. I live in, I live up in Oregon now, so... Um, yeah, I'm sure you don't have any beautiful place to hike out there. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know you're, I know you're being uh, tongue in cheek, but man, the the granite in the Sierras is, is is something truly spectacular and something I do miss a little bit. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean the hunting's better up here, so you know, I I won't I won't play the violin for too long. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah, always, always had a strong interest in the outdoors. Um, always lived next to some Creek or canal where we'd go catch tadpoles or frogs or whatever. Um, you know, my first, my, my first bow kill quote unquote was I I nailed a jackrabbit with my Nerf bow and arrow at like, I don't know, eight years old running around (laughs) out. Yeah. Just running around out in the field. Um, that particular field's actually a Kaiser Permanente now, down in Sacramento. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, just just always had a deep love and fascination for the outdoors, and never got enough of it living in the suburbs. Um, I used to. My mom lived on a vineyard for a while, and so I'd run down the the vineyard, uh, the, the the rows of vines, and ate more grapes than I should have, and. Uh, I'd disappear and go fish, fishing at the lake and the river, be gone, you know, sun up, sundown during the summer whenever I could. And, uh, yeah, so just always just enthralled with the outdoors as much as I could. Yeah, I, you, um, I, I'm very familiar with the vineyard for sure. You lost me on the fishing though. I'll, I'll <laughs> say that. I don't know if it's been any mystery to this point on my podcast i don't think i mentioned it yet but i suck at fishing and i'm not that fond of it (laughs) that's awesome yeah i mean fishing is how actually fishing is a good good part of my start my dad was uh, a pretty accomplished trout fisherman oh okay so that's what he knew and that's what he taught me um and I mean for years we did an annual fishing trip up in the east on the east side of sierras and 
That sucker, man, he landed on the worst cast I've ever seen anybody make. He landed a, a two pounder. Uh, I'm, I, you know, a hole that we've been fishing for years and never caught anything near that big out of, and he flubbed a cast, and this massive two pound rainbow just latched on, didn't let go. So, <laughs> yeah. See, our my story, fishing story, would be that um, my dad wanted uh, one summer, decided that's what we're going to get into and take a little bit of an archery break. And he bought a little, like a 14-foot little pontoon boat, fish finder, all the gear. And we went out like every weekend and never caught a damn fish. <laughs> and the only one to catch one was Corbin standing on the shore when he was like 10 years old and it scared him so bad he started beating on the fish with the pole nice <laughs> so yeah we we went over it we got over it kind of quick <laughs> fair enough uh fair enough you know um, i can't someday. i can't remember the time i got on a, i can't i can't remember the last time i got on a decent piece of trout water and never and didn't catch anything so like it you know that changes experience <laughs> oh yeah no i can imagine and i'll be honest we went um last last season up here in d7 we hit a little lake um with a buddy of mine and grabbed a license for the heck of it and went out there and uh he told me to give it a shot said it's super easy i wasn't gonna do it and threw a couple casts and caught a couple really quick and i was like oh okay this ain't bad and we ate them for lunch so <laughs> <laughs> nothing better than trout while backpacking but you know then i realized oh so if you pack six miles in to a spot that's not surrounded by people with fishing poles you'll catch stuff kind of like hunting tends to make a difference <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh that's funny stuff so anyways you uh kind of got that start with fishing and um so how did it all transition then after after your big jackrabbit kill? Yeah, yeah. Well, after the jackrabbit, you know, I was pretty much relegated to catching frogs and fishing. Uh, and then my mom met this guy. Um, my, you know, my parents split up early in life. And so my, my mom met this guy, uh, wound up spending a fair amount, of, fair amount of time with him. And right as I was kind of turning, right in that like 10, 11, 12 age, um, mm -hmm. He, which is the legal age to hunt in Cali for big game, right? Yeah. So right as that, that age bracket kind of hit for me, uh, you know, things were, had been pretty serious with him and my mom for a while. And um, he decided that it might be fun to kind of redo the hunting thing. Right. Um, you know, his, his kids, uh, it was kind of a tragic story there. I won't get into it, but didn't, uh, he didn't really have the opportunity to pass that on to his kids. So um he yeah he decided that we should start hunting and so 12 years old my first real hunt i, I did my hunter safety course and uh you know had had uh denim camo and hand-me-down boots and cotton t-shirts and you know everything everything you need to to start your first hunt and be miserable in the in the weather sounds familiar <laughs> yeah yeah i remember getting my hunt a hunting jacket uh, for the Christmas before. And it was, I mean, it was almost all cotton and it was this big puffy thing. And the instant it rained and turned into a, a sponge. 
<laughs> it was great that, if it was dry, but if, man, if it was raining, you're screwed. That's the Walmart special right there. I had like three of those. Yeah, Walmart special. <laughs> Michelin Man special for 20 bucks. Yep. Yep. I remember uh, having no idea what I actually needed. And I just thought if it was camo, I'm good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they wouldn't put camo on gear that you couldn't hunt with, right? No way. Right. <laughs> Thank God California weather is forgiving. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ugh, that's funny. So, yeah. Um, so, wound up having a little bow. Barely met the, the legal requirements for, mm-hmm. for what a bow needed to be to kill a deer. And, uh, you know, did a lot of road hunting to start because that's how he always did it. Right. Yeah. So, I remember, you know, my first trip, we were bouncing around up and down the forest roads. We had the, the Hostess Donuts in between us. Rocking a couple of Gatorades, and then the arrows loose on the dash, keeping an eye on them, making sure they don't fall down and stick us in the leg. <laughs> I mean, thinking back, it was like, I, it's kind of an interesting first experience. But um, but who cares? Like, I didn't care. I was out there doing oh, it, yeah. having fun, and I was a heck of a lot better than sitting on the couch. So... That's for sure, man. I think that's a very relatable first experience. That's kind of how it was for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, I we didn't kill much. Uh, actually, didn't kill anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah. You know, we saw some, saw some animals every once in a while. I remember seeing a little uh, a, a sporky. Um, you know, t- I think technically it was a fork, but there was a lot of webbing in there still because the fork was all of about an inch and a quarter. Okay. <laughs> and uh, we happened on him, you know, bombing down one of the roads. And uh, the only reason, the only reason my stepdad let me uh, let me try for it is because he he knew that if he opened his door in, in the truck, that thing would blow out. So he told me to get out the other side and sneak down the the ditch in the road, and um, you know, get low, get quiet, be. Um, be uh be as still as i could and so i get all excited right i got my bow i'm ready to go my little 75 grain muzzy on the end of my i think it was a 20 no it was like an eight it's like a 2018 arrow something like that i mean oh yeah it's one of those tiny game getter yes (laughs) yes with the budget three stripe camo yep that's right that's it, man. And I still remember I had red and green, red and green fletchings on that sucker. Uh, I'll never forget that. It was, you know, my first real arrow. And <laughs> I get out of the truck and I, you know, I see him from the windshield and I'm like, oh, it's cool. It's a little buck. I'm, I'm really excited about this. And then I get, as soon as I get out of the truck, I, I, I kind of bend over, but I'm not really bent over. And I was a fat kid. So like, you know, I, I was not the uh uh I, I was i was not very graceful or or athletic so like mm-hmm. i thought i was like low and slow and i was like you know stumbling all over the place and i had my head i had i was looking down so i couldn't see him but he could see me the whole time <laughs> you know if i can't see you you can't see me <laughs> <laughs> pretty ridiculous the whole way and so like i get up there i peek over he's long gone he he you know 
he was old enough to know that I was, uh, I had bad intentions. So I, uh, slump it back to the truck and my stepdad just, he doesn't even know where to start on how many, uh, how many things I screwed up. So we had a, we had a nice, less than encouraging, uh, conversation on the way home, but you know what? It was at that point, it was pretty much, uh, it, it let that fire for me and I was, um, yeah. just ridiculously stoked. I think so. I really think that's all it takes sometimes is just seeing the animal and knowing you might have had an opportunity. And totally. if your heart gets pounding at that point, I, I think you're going to get hooked in. Yeah, totally. No, 100%. I mean, the amount of effort and miles and money I spent on trying to kill deer over the last 20 years yeah. is ludicrous. I've, I've harvested three deer in... 20 years <laughs> <laughs> and you know what i mean you know i i may not have had the mentorship that somebody else you know whose whose dad was a proficient hunter mm-hmm. but i i don't even care i've had a lot of fun doing it my dad picked it up when he saw my interest in it and my dad became one of my uh my top hunting buddies he still is until i get crazy on him and dive into canyons yeah um, but That's yeah i show up and that's when you show up. So it's kind of working out, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it it's worked out good for us. And I, I've seen, I keep saying a lot about the difference of, or, or how I changed as a hunter after our bear hunt together, which we'll definitely go into detail another time about that hunt. Oh, but such a good long hunt. story short, oh yeah, absolutely. But um, long story short on that, uh, we worked ourselves way harder than we needed to. And, <laughs> yes. you know, looking back on it now, there's a way different way to do it. I showed up with, you know, the $30 backpack with some water bottles and a few cliff bars and didn't even have enough food for one day. And that's all we were doing was one day. And like, <laughs> there's a million mistakes made. And, and then I shot a bear and then we had to get the thing arguably anywhere depending on which one of the two of us you talk to (laughs) it's anywhere from a mile and a half to three miles (laughs) back to the truck (laughs) well you're you're dumb enough to believe my uh my very terrible distance estimations my dad's figured it out yeah i I would say every (laughs) i asked you probably every every 200 yards how much farther and you said about a mile yeah well, and and I was moving that bear about ten feet at a time. So, yeah, if I told you <laughs> the truth, you would have given up. So you can't have that. I yeah, I, I probably would have at that point. I was uh, <laughs> pretty fat. So, <laughs> anyways, well, my, we'll, my, we'll have to get into that another time. That oh, my, definitely. My mind's eye is uh, smiling. Just just remembering <laughs> that. Yeah, I, I remember a lot of moments of that, and it was it was a blast, um, and uh, a, a big learning experience. And I still uh, banked a lot off of you know kind of what you taught me as we kept going into it, because that kind of kicked off the idea of backpack hunting for you for sure. You started looking into it really and talking to me about it, and I definitely wanted to do it and. The next couple of years, we were, I think at that point, you pretty quick after that, you uh, moved up to Oregon, right? Yeah, that's about right. So, yeah. um, 
Yeah. So you, you headed up that way and we immediately tried to start planning out some hunts. And I think for me, it was about two years of dealing with, you know, works issues and my apprenticeship and all that, that kept stopping me from being able to go and money, of course. Um, Yeah. Are you trying to make a life for yourself? It's hard to fault fault you too much for that. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, in that time, you put in work and became a solo hunter backpacking in and what you learned in two years and then started teaching me just blew me away, man. You know, it, it, it helped so much with my game. And, um, I, I, what was that like for you? Like what, what, what kind of, um, I don't even really know what I'm asking. I guess. I guess. Um, I feel like I got. I, I could probably take a stab at it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, I to backtrack a little. Like I had always kind of talked with my dad about backpack hunting. It's like, Dad, you know, if we could get off these roads and get yeah. back where some of these cars can't go, I bet, I bet, I bet we'd hunt better. And he goes, you know, he had a valid point. It's like it's so hot in most of the season down in Cali, unless you get a good year with weather. You know, he was, he was terrified. He didn't know, you know, he was new to this. Uh, he hunted birds as a kid, but never anything big. Right. And so like we were terrified of meat spoilage and we could not ever, you know, field field and stream was probably my single resource, um, or my single most heavily relied upon resource. Um, turns out not the, not the best one available, but the one that I used, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, none of that ever talked, nobody ever talked about backpack hunting, um, not in the field and streams and outdoor lives. And, you know, my dad was, again, he, you know, he was a, an insurance underwriter, um, grew up, you know, in construction, but you know, never did the big game hunting thing. And like, this was all just new to us. We were just, we were just trying to figure it out. And, um, you know, it, that, that, that level of resources on, uh, Al Gore's internet, um, you know, to steal <laughs> Randy Newberg, Randy Newberg's line, um, <laughs> you know, that was just kind of coming around and like, it wasn't super intuitive and some right. of that information wasn't super reliable yet. Um, and so like, I just didn't know what to do. Like, I didn't know what other guys were doing. None of my, I, I didn't have any serious, uh, hunter friends. And so, you know, it sounds like I'm making a bunch of excuses, but at the end of the day, I just didn't know. We just didn't know how to, to do it without being wasteful. Um, right. so we, we stuck to bombing down forest roads and, and a lot of times we would actually get out and hike the, the forest roads and cut down deer trails and bear trails and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And actually that turned out, um, turned out to be a good way to find bears. Yeah. Uh, what do you know? What do you know? <laughs> uh, but yeah, never really figured it out, but always kind of wanted to do it. Um, my dad had been a big backpacker, um, hence the mm-hmm. hiking start when I was a kid and, um, I always had the gear, like I always had the gear to go backpacking. We did, um, actually, I, I never actually went backpacking with my dad, um, until later in life, but wound up going without him a couple times. And he went without me a couple times, just scheduling issues in high school with football and other things. Oh, okay. Um, but like always understood the premise of backpacking. Like he taught me how to do all the stuff. Um, and I felt comfortable with the idea and, you know, spent countless nights in campgrounds. So you know, all of it, oh, was gotcha. pretty, it, was, it was pretty intuitive for me. So the backpacking thing was like that for me was never the hurdle. 
the the hurdle for me was what the heck do I do if I actually happen to kill something? Right. Um, and that question I wasn't able to answer until actually until a lot of these hunting podcasts and things got kind of going. Um, yes. And I, yeah, I remember getting turned on to the Gritty Bowman podcast. And I was like, what's a, I didn't even know what a podcast was. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I started listening to Gritty. Um, I remember picking it up and, and it was like instant crack. Like the stuff that it, he was just answering all the questions I couldn't find other resources for. You know, you know what's interesting about that is like, oh, well, with what you said, um, you were already kind of comfortable on the backpacking side, and you were more worried about what to do once you get the animal. To me, it was everything. It was the backpacking. It was getting the animal. It was finding the animal. It was all of that combined, and going on that that bear hunt definitely skewed my brain a little bit made me feel like it's easier to find an animal than it actually is for sure and um definitely made me think about getting the animal out after it really made me understand what it takes obviously right um and so after that it was um I remember getting all these texts from you when we were still over those couple of years that I didn't make it where we were trying to schedule a hunt together. And it, it was you texting me all these links um, to gritty podcasts. And I'm yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm finally one day I'm sitting at work and I'm like, okay, I got 10 hours here and this equipment or whatever. I got some headphones. I got nothing else to do. And I clicked one of them. And I think it was one just on like some basics for, uh, for your backpack. And I listened to it and was just fascinated and was like, Oh my God, I'm not even close to ready yet. There, <laughs> there's so much I need to learn before I even take a stab at going out there. And that helped me so much to have all those different places and all those different things to, Hey, especially with gritty because that was the one i just i went crazy on i think at that point they had like a hundred episodes or something out and i listened to every one of them yeah yeah wow and 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 i did it at that point still not spending much time out on a mountain you know i i got lucky on the hunts i was on in, in in a short time you know either hunted for a short time or was successful in a short time and still didn't have a good idea of what it's going to be like waking up on day four or five, knowing that you're going to try and start at 4 a.m. and not stop until it gets dark, you know? <laughs> totally, yeah. So I, I think it's such a good resource for people. And um, and it when you say, I just want to point out something, too, when you say, um, you've only harvested three animals in, what'd you say, 15 years or 20 uh, years or something? Thank you. Yeah. 20, 21 to be exact. Okay. Well, so when, when you say you only did that, those, or you only harvested three animals in 21 years. Well, I can say for you the last, uh, I don't know, five, five years or so have been 
um, a whole different game for you, the way you hunt. And two of my animals could have very easily been yours. (laughs) And you got those first two years that I didn't go with you after you moved, you got onto animals every year. I mean, it's just little things that you said, you told me you learned the hard way, kind of turned it all around for you. But, um, I wouldn't be too hard on yourself because right now you could probably, you probably could have had one a year easily (laughs) the last five years. No problem. But maybe if I wasn't a slow learner. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, so that's a fair point. Right. Um, you know, I, you know, starting off road hunting and then I did the career thing for, um, quite a while and most, most of my twenties got soaked up into, into doing the career thing and chasing the almighty dollar and gosh, I mean, I think I I barely even really hunted those years. Uh, one of which was we squared away enough time to do your bear hunt, uh, which was again, a blast one day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, they, like I would hunt maybe three, four days a season, um, for probably most of those years. So, you know, in, yeah. in fairness, you know, I, um, made, we made some lifestyle decisions and changed things up and started to really focus on becoming a competent hunter and not just, uh, not just a rifle hiker. Right. Um, but, but yeah, totally. Um, you know, moving, uh, moving up and changing my, my work schedule and things, I was really able to focus on learning animal behavior and I felt comfortable with the backpacking piece and I started getting in, into, uh, into new places and, and trying new things and staying off the, off the roads. And yeah, once I, I mean, once I got off the roads, yeah, opportunities abounded. Um, I even with my dad. My dad's, uh, you know, not the best still hunter in the world. He uh, he makes a little noise, and, um, but we both had opportunities. <laughs> my uh, my our first year elk hunting, we both had opportunities. He uh, he had a forty yard shot at two cows, and I think he he was so surprised by actually having by by actually seeing animals that he didn't know what to do. Um, because that, it, that hadn't been the norm for, you know, the right. first 18 and my dad won't listen to this, so I'm safe, but, <laughs> <laughs> but he keeps looking at me. He's like, what do I do? I was like, range him and shoot him. And, uh, by the time he got his range finder out and a mark, the cows were, you know, he, they were out and off and on their way. And then, uh, we hunted that same spot later that week. And I had, I had a five point bull at 25 yards um and i just couldn't get a clear shot because of some uh some trees so you know i remember i remember looking down looking down off the slope off this trail we were hiking down and and i i remember thinking very vividly it's like what's a big brown dumpster out here doing um and i was like wait what oh my oh 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 that's an elk (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it was like that kind of a progression like all of a sudden i went jelly legs and i'm like oh my gosh this is my first elk tag i've ever had and i'm gonna shoot a five-point bull and then i draw back and i just can't cannot find an angle where i can get an arrow through the trees without hitting a branch <laughs> and so i'm like i'm waving at my dad i was like look down, look down the, the slope, look down the slope. And he's, he sees just as the elk runs by, he sees the tops of his antlers and he almost, you know, he almost craps his pants. <laughs> and I mean, we, we got on elk 
three of five days we hunted together my first elk season. I had no idea what I was doing chasing elk. So, um, you know, totally, you know, it, it was making a, it made a big difference to have some of these resources fill in these gaps and, um, right. You know, it, it, it was really weird seeing animals for us. Like we, you know, that wasn't a thing for us usually. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. And I, I, I can understand what your dad's confusion. Cause you, you hit a new level of intensity when you see an animal or hear an animal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for the year. I, I've seen the look on your face and it, it, <laughs> it it's too hard to just, just to describe. Yeah. It, <laughs> You got to witness it to understand it, but <laughs> you, you're telling me it doesn't come through at 8:30 at night on a Tuesday. No, no, it definitely doesn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had I had some in, I have some intensity issues. I'm I'm coming I'm calming down a little bit at the ripe old age of 33. No, it's okay. You definitely uh, you you definitely figured it out this year when we were hunting Oregon and um, got some messages to me when we were trying to be quiet and we were like 30 yards apart and I, I could understand what you were saying. So, <laughs> uh, but so, so yeah, I think we should kind of dive into that. And so yeah, this year good. we did, uh, we did Oregon. Yeah. Um, for myself, I, I was, uh, was I like eight days? I think I had. Um, and I guess the, one of the best ways for me to dive into this is a little bit of, um, maybe mistakes made first. (laughs) We got to listen. (laughs) Yeah. And on my part, I think the first mistake is when camp is not very far off a trail. Just stay on the trail to go to camp, <laughs> even though it looks like it, it goes kind of in a loop a little bit and you might have to go an extra half a mile or whatever. Don't don't run a straight line when you're in terrain you've never been in before and you don't know what it's going to be like. I think I definitely just assumed it was going to be um, – I didn't assume it was going to be open, but I, I didn't realize – I was going to walk through pickup sticks like I did. And I literally found the worst of it in the whole week. I found it in the first hour of my hike in. <laughs> and what's even worse about that is I decide I'm going in a straight line. Well, first of all, I'm looking at Onyx to, to figure out my straight line. And I can't get the, the stupid compass working on it. So my straight line was like... I ran probably a half a mile, um, like 30 yards from the trail. <laughs> and then I dropped down and thought I was back on a straight line and I figured out the compass feature on it and, and tried to walk in a straight line. Anyways, oh, halfway nice. there, I'm crashing through stuff. I'm getting attacked by meat bees because I keep stepping on their, their houses <laughs> And, um, I can't remember the order exactly it happened, but I think this was it. I think I, I stepped on something, it broke and I fell onto my side and I was stuck there for a second in between a log and something else. And then I hear this giant crash and I look up laying on my back and there, 
is an awesome looking bull. I, I couldn't tell you how big he was. I just knew he was big about 30 yards away from me, just looking at me. And awesome. he stood there and I fumbled with my arrow, clanked it around a few times and then watched him just vanish after like two jumps. Yeah. And I was like, like okay. And the best part is this is opening day. You're, you're, <laughs> you're fumbling in opening day and you see a branch antler bull. Yeah. As you're laying on your side. Uh-huh. With a 60-pound pack on your back. Yep. It, that's, I mean, it's amazing. And I c- couldn't even get up. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. No, no. <laughs> I got up, and I bruised the hell out of my entire arm. And I finally got it. it after fighting for another hour, I got through to a meadow that was just a few hundred yards downhill of camp. So after I'm half dead, now I got to do this couple hundred yards uphill. And I cramped up crossing this flat ground in this meadow and stopped at the end of it, you know, shot down some electrolytes and ate something and finally made it back up the hill to camp. And why why don't you explain what you did when I were, where you were when I got there? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So about that, I, uh, (laughs) yeah. So I was able to your point to get in there. I was able to get in there Friday night, um, set up, set up camp number one, met some cool dudes that have been hunting that area for like 20 years. Mm -hmm. Um, wound up, wound up camping right next to them. So I, you know, I was, um, I was able to chat with them a bit, understand what part of the mountain they were going to hunt and, uh, that, that enabled me to make a move to, to try to cohabitate as best we could. Um, and we, we came to a, a pretty solid arrangement, um, on how to share the mountain. Yeah. Um, and then, so, so Saturday opening day, the day you came in, um, I didn't even hunt that day. Uh, really, I packed up camp, moved it, um, a little farther down the, the trail and uh resent resent pins to you and steven and um and then i think i I think i wandered out in the afternoon for a quick sec just to because it was opening um opening day and my tag was good for any elk and i was pretty intent on arrowing any elk that that would give me the opportunity Mm -hmm. uh so i figured i'd go and look around and see what i saw see if anything was uh bugling see if i could run run myself into anything and then i got uh, your text that you were at the trailhead and I said, okay, well I'll start heading back. And, uh, I figured I'd, I'd head back to camp and make sure you were good. Just, you know, wanted to make sure that you got back, you got to camp safe and that I didn't uh, do something stupid, like just crash right through the middle of the wilderness. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's actually, that, that was actually not what I thought you were going to do. <laughs> You know, I just figured you might get lost or take the wrong trail fork or whatever. Because I distinctly remember saying, stay on the trail and just follow it left. Follow every fork to the left. <laughs> and I was like, even Cody can't screw this up. <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> Want to bet? <laughs> right? So I, I get back to camp and I'm like, man, um, it shouldn't take him an hour to walk that couple of miles. You know, I was like, maybe I should go check on him. So as, as it travels, I was three miles down the trail 
with a what 800 600 foot elevation gain i think mm -hmm. to the to the trailhead from from camp so yeah i grab uh i grab a t-shirt and a smile to grab uh to grab one of aaron snyder's uh taglines <laughs> and i mean i pretty much had i had my puffy jacket i had my bow and i had my bino harness and that's it that's all i took <laughs> and so i start walking up the trail and i get you know i get I, I get to cover in a mile and a half of that three miles and i'm like um i should have definitely run into him by now <laughs> and i'm like oh great farm boy has uh has lost himself in the wilderness <laughs> like i'm just and i start worrying about everything right so i'm i'm worrying that you started chasing bugles and you got stuck with your pack and i was like well at least he has a pack and then i started thinking well maybe he dropped his pack to go find to go chase an elk and now he can't find his pack and he's gonna die on the mountain <laughs> just being completely irrational but you know you know when you're in the wilderness with a um, and, 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 you know, I'd known that you hadn't been there before. So right. like, I, I just started kind of worrying. So I, I start sprinting down the trail or up the trail, I guess, cause I'm gaining elevation at this point. And, uh, all of a sudden a cow jumps out onto the trail and I'm like, well, Hey, my tag's good for this cow. And then I my, like my conscience started getting the better of me. I'm like, if I shoot this cow and I kill it and I start working on it and Cody dies on the mountain because I didn't go find him. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like internally torn. I was like, ah, screw it. Cody's a big boy. So I try. <laughs> <laughs> so I knock an arrow and I'm, I'm letting this cow come and I draw. And then all of a sudden she sees me draw. And I was like, oh, crap. So it's like a 45 yard frontal, not taking that shot. Uh, I, you know. I have, I've never, I've never even shot at an elk. Um, you know, there's a lot of controversy around frontals. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't mean to condemn it if anybody's good with it, but I, I didn't feel right. So I didn't shoot. And then I hear crash, bang, boom. And I'm like, okay, well, she's gone. So I better go find Cody. And so I start, <laughs> and then I start edging up close. I'm being kind of quiet. I'm not, I'm not trail running anymore. And I, I, I hear more commotion. I'm like, oh, there's that cow's still here. So she disappears up and to the left off the trail. And so that's where mm -hmm. I'm singularly focused. And then I get to where she jumped out on the trail and I am literally 12 paces from another cow who, who my, my tag would have looked just fine on. <laughs> <laughs> the instant I whirl and try, and try to draw and swing on her, she takes off and crash, bang, boom. And I'm like, Oh man, Cody better be lost or I'm going to kill him. <laughs> oh man. So then I finish my sprint up to the trailhead. I see, I'm like, oh, his truck's here. That's good. Well, at least he's here on the mountain somewhere. And uh, the whole way I'm hearing bugles and I'm, I can't, I don't know if it's other hunters or I don't know if it's him. I don't know what's going on. Right. And it's starting to get dark. So now I'm up at the trailhead and the sun's almost down. And so I, I literally start running back the other three miles back down to camp, at least as downhill. So start running back down the trail and all of a sudden, and as I get to camp, I see, I see you with your headlight on and <laughs> I'll tell you, Cody, I didn't know whether I was going to kiss you or kill you. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and what what was I doing? Just getting ready to cook up some food? Like, man, I'm yeah. hungry. <laughs> yeah, you look like you were just happy as a clam, just super stoked. Couldn't wait to tell me about the bull you saw and yeah, and how you got your camp set up and yeah, and you're just happy happy to be there. Yeah, I was looking at you like, man, why are you so tired? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think I looked at you and I went. Did you come in a straight line from the trailhead? And he go and you go, I think you went, yeah. How did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think I might have let out a couple expletives uh. <laughs> and proceeded to tell you that I just ran six miles on that trail with my bow and my puppy. Yeah. <laughs> That was a fun way to start an elk hunt, brother. Uh, definitely. Nobody died, so. Nobody to... died. <laughs> True statement. Oh, man. <laughs> I just wish, I, I wish so much that I could have put an arrow in that bull that I saw. <laughs> yeah. You know, what, what sucks is, and honestly, probably the only reason I saw it was because I, I was, I I was halfway to camp and I hit fuck it already. And I was like, all right, I'm just, I'm, I'm moving. I'm not, I'm not trying to be quiet. I'm not, you know, I gave that up quick. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I just need to get there. And, and I was, it, it was, I, I couldn't even tell you where the wind was. I, it must've been a miracle that, that, that thing didn't hear me a hundred yards off and take off. <laughs> oh, he heard you. He just must have. I bet he thought you were an elk. Yeah. Yeah. He must have yeah. just not cared, I guess. But yeah. Yeah. For sure. That is, yeah. That was an interesting start to the hunt, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. And um, so actually, what um, I guess, I guess we'll kind of jump around on this a little bit. Um, Cause it, we can, we can stay in order and talk about every single thing that happened and probably talk about it for six hours. Right. <laughs> um, but kind of something interesting I, I wanted to bring up, which was really cool to me, uh, what you just said about that elk letting me get that close. I probably had good wind and, um, probably thought I was an elk. And oh, totally. Yeah. So that was a cool experience for me. And I, um, I want to say it was our first day getting into them, which was what, probably the next day. Um, and, uh, or no, you know what? I believe it was a couple days later, but anyways, we, we dropped in to a herd that uh, I think we were smelling them in the beginning and as we got closer, we heard them. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, we were skipping a little end, grunt. You're skipping all the middle. Yeah, you're skipping all the middle. But it's all good. We can. Okay. No, I, we'll I, jump I, back. I, but, I think I know where you're going with this. So, But anyways, so for me, it was the first time I ever transitioned in the hunt from trying to be quiet and sneak up on something the whole time to we we spread apart a little bit. And you were behind me, ready to cow call. And whatever you face you made and waved your hands at me, I got the picture that <laughs> I didn't have to be quiet. 
and yeah. I need to hurry because so before the wind changes. So, so I started crashing down. It was the first time you were cow calling, and we were hearing some grunts back and yep. a couple cow calls, and I realized these things thought I was a cow. And it was the craziest feeling to be able to trick this damn animal for once. Yeah. Because these things were on top of us all weekend. I mean, they played us like a fiddle. And <laughs> most of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, you know, that turned out in it. it for me, I was coming down on a point that was so thick that if I actually got through to the animals, I literally would have walked through some brush and bumped into it. Like I, I could not see anything for a shot. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah, and I guess for me, it was just a crazy moment. It's, um, it, it really shows you what. How, how much you have to think on your feet and be prepared, you know? Well, and, uh, you know, to your, to, to, in all fairness, right. That was, that was your first legit elk hunt. I mean, I know we, yes. we went to Idaho and we got our butts kicked by some weather and some mountains, but, um, right, right. you know, we didn't actually see any elk on that hunt. No. Um, saw a moose, which was a yeah, pretty cool constellation price, but that was uh, awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you, that's how you, but that's how you learn, right? That's, yeah. you, you got to get out and do it. Um, cause to your point, I was, I was pretty adamant about, uh, you not, uh, you know, not, not sissy footing it down there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, if I had, if I had made any stronger of a gesture, I think with my face, I, I think sound would have actually come out. <laughs> <laughs> yep yeah you <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man but yeah no i mean it's it's a pretty cool experience i mean when you have that wind and that covers that thick i mean yeah honestly i i don't know that i've ever found a better place for bow hunting in terms of cover right than than how that place works it's it's uh it's a pretty fun place Definitely. I mean, um, that, that opportunity wasn't working out for me. Um, and then you did have a bit of an opportunity in there in that moment because you were in a better spot than I was in the end. Um, yeah, unfortunately I know, you know, to that point, you know, we, I definitely tried to kind of position you cause I know we were getting close. You had to leave earlier than me. Um, and by this point in the hunt, we were getting kind of close to, um, mm -hmm. to when you had to leave. And, uh, but the way, the way we kind of came down the mountain, it opened up a little bit different than I think we expected. I didn't, um, there, it turned out there was a seep down there right. and that seep was creating that, that wall of vegetation that you ran into that we didn't know was there. Yeah. Um, and then, so to, yeah, to your point, I was kind of uphill and, and back to the right. And I was, I wound up coming in just on top of that seep on the edge of the cover and saw uh, a cow and a spike, a couple of cows and a spike. Um, and I had, I mean, I had that, I had that spike dead to rights at 83 yards. Um, and I just, you know, um, you know, call it, 
call it jitters, call it whatever you want. I just I didn't feel real confident in the shot at that time, so tried to tried to get a little closer, and then at the end uh, and then got busted. Right is kind mm-hmm. of a cut to cut to the chase. And I think that's something else we need to talk about because <laughs> I think I have a different opinion of of how confident you should be on one of your shots than you do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we you're, go. Uh, you, uh, you have, you're a very well planned out person with everything, and I think, I think, not, not for anyone to freak out. I'm not saying you should ever take an unethical shot, but I think your ethical dif- distance is a lot better than you realize. Or, well, I, I think you know it, too. I think you just don't take the chance. But, <laughs> I mean, you you did um, – I mean, you, you got into target archery for a while there with me, and I've seen what you can do. You're definitely – you're not – you don't half-ass it. Um, you know, it, it, I just think um, – I think it's something that you've done enough times that and, and when that animal, if that, especially if that animal, if you weren't rushed and that bull didn't know you were there, I think that would have been your shot easily. Yeah. I think it, I mean, thinking back on it, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've, I've replayed that sequence a couple of times right. um, and you know, it's for other reasons that actually turned out to be better in a lot of ways. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I was, I mean, I, I was drilling, um, I was, I was routinely drilling eight inch spots at, at a hundred yards, um, with with my bow and with my broadheads before season. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't disagree that I think I, I probably could have made the shot. You know, he, he had no idea I was there. I had a nice stable stable platform to shoot from i had a mm-hmm. solid range from my my range finder i ranged him like four times um but you know in the moment it just didn't feel didn't feel like what i what i was comfortable with for you know whatever reason probably just honestly probably just lack of pulling the trigger on animals right uh, you know i don't have a ton of experience on that um so and i've missed uh both times i guesstimated range uh, mm-hmm. but I've, I've missed on some, some pigs and I missed on a bear. Um, and you know, you, that just kind of gets in your head sometimes and you just yeah. need a little success before you feel outright confident. Um, so, you know, I, I appreciate you, you addressing my, what, what you perceive as my skill level. But, uh, <laughs> and, you know, but at the end of the day, didn't feel good about it. Didn't take the shot. So. And in the end, that's that's the right answer, I guess, ultimately. I like to give you crap, but just because of the amount of it I take from you all the time. Uh, <laughs> but that's, um, that's that's definitely the right move. I mean, it's, it's something I've talked about before, even on this podcast with other people. And it's um, there's a lot to be said if, if you're the kind of person, you know, who, who knows what you're at and. You know, if you walk in the shop, grab a bow and start shooting and and your your best scenario is a pie plate at 40 yards. 
if you don't take that shot at 40 yards because you don't feel that confident about it, then more power to you. You know, that's kind of, that's what's important in the end. I mean, totally. Right. I mean, you, it, it's a resource, right? So you don't want to yeah. be, you don't be wasteful of a resource. Yeah. Um, and part of it's just learning part of it. You part of it's learning to, you know, just to, to, to be confident with what you can do. Um, and you only get, you only get confidence through success. Generally, at least for me, failure doesn't breed confidence. So, um, you know, having, having some success, having, making some shots, I think that'll, uh, that'll kind of come around. And I'm not, I'm not saying I'm going to take an 82 yard shot at every time. Um, no, no. by any means don't want to get crucified, but, um, you know, in the right circumstances, uh, a slightly longer shot, um, you know, by, by what most people or I guess a, a slightly longer shot than what some people would consider fair, I, I, I think is probably within my ability. Um, but again, you know, well, time will tell. And, well, yeah. Uh, those, and those it's, decisions are split second. Yeah, definitely. Um, when everything's in your, it, it's very hard to get that shot too. You, you do need everything in your favor. You do need the animal to not know you're there to not look like it's getting ready to move to, you know, to have a good opportunity to range it, to have time. I, I've taken, um, I've taken one very long shot before during bow season locally, um, for me here in D seven. And, uh, I was in a place where, where I knew that little buck had no idea I was there. And I had the opportunity to range it multiple times, and I knew I could move my sight exactly to that distance. I had all the time in the world, and I I missed uh, in the end because of error on the rangefinder. You know, I mean, it was getting darker by the second, and I uh, I somehow I picked up something else through the rangefinder. And it, it ranged him 10 yards off. And luckily for me, it was far enough off that I completely missed the animal, you know? Yeah, that's a blessing. Yeah. So when I look at it in the end, I realize it was, you know, it was a really good thing because it could have been a lot worse. Um, and I was very confident with the shot. I was so excited. Before that arrow even hit, it even would have hit the animal when it was still flying. I thought I, it, it was that feeling of a perfect shot, you know, when you're at a tournament at a hundred yards and you're like, Oh, that's in the dot. That's it. Yeah, totally. Like, it was that feeling. I'm like, I, I got this. It's, it's a done deal. This is incredible. And, and just right over the top of the back. And then coming back the next day, I realized it ranged completely wrong, but yeah, sometimes that stuff's a blessing in disguise too, and it's I've never I've never even come close to having that same opportunity again to make that good of a shot at that distance. Right. Know? Well, and and it, even still, right, it, it the what you just went through it shows how much you learned from that experience that it mm -hmm. tr everything truly has to be perfect. Yeah. And then and you still like there's still a margin of error, and at that distance, ten yards means a lot. Oh yeah. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah, but that was that was a good day. So, 
Um, wound yeah, up bumping. On. We wound up bumping that spike, bumped the cows out of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I just pushed it. I tried to get too close too fast. And, um, oh, I think I, I think I tried to move up on the spike and then there was a cow I didn't see and she, she got alerted and she, I mean, she was only like 63 yards. I wouldn't have hesitated on her, but she knew I was there. So I didn't get much of a chance to draw and shoot on her. Mm. Right. And then they boogered off, and then we had that we had that really cool experience where the spike actually got separated from the rest of the herd. Oh yeah, you remember the spike bugle? Yeah, that was so cool to hear that. I was that was uh, yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, it was like you, I think. What was your? I remember your interpretation of that. You were like, "Mom, where are you? <laughs> there's, there's something weird going on. I don't know what's I don't know what's happening." Guys, Hello. guys, <laughs> it's getting dark. <laughs> it kind of sounded like my my first few attempts at a, a bugle or something <laughs> similar, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know yeah. what it actually reminded me of? It reminded <laughs> me of uh, when we were we were shooting that Fresno Safari, and uh, Corbin was dicking around on his little his Game Boy or something, and uh, I think the whole the whole team moved off. And Corbin looks up and goes, hey, hey. <laughs> that sounds about right. Doesn't that brother. sound about right? Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. that's, that's not much different than a spike bull, you know, a little adolescent teen. Um, yeah. Didn't know, didn't know what's going on, you know. <laughs> yeah. And he's, run, he's running off the wrong way. Doesn't go the way he's supposed to. So, yeah, that was cool, though. We got in between that spike and those cows, and he, he, he wound up figuring it out. I think he was in a spot where he, could, he wound up seeing the cows across the next draw and silently made his way mm-hmm. over there. But uh, it was pretty cool. We all, I feel, like, I was talking with him back and forth a little bit. and Yeah. Not trying, to, um, trying to imitate, you know, being his mom or one of the other cows, and, um, you know, he, he wouldn't buy it. But uh, it was a lot of fun interacting with him for a bit. Yeah, yeah. That was a good night. Was that the night? No, that was towards the end, right? That wasn't the night we shot the grouse. Um, no, that it was later. Man, I can't remember. I know that grouse was pretty cool. That was fun. (laughs) That was really fun. So the grouse, the grouse was the second day because we brought we brought it back to camp, and Stephen had gotten to camp. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, we caught back up with him, and I think I mean I don't know I don't think I think we got into I think we we bumped a couple elk that day, but I don't think it was anything spectacular. Yeah, that sounds about right. And we saw those grouse, and they're just sitting there, and you're like, Chris, you gotta shoot one. They're just egging you on. I'm like, well, I just bought new arrows, so give me your bow. <laughs> <laughs> And you were, you were, I, I, I kind of expected you to go, what, what's wrong with you? I'm not, I'm not letting you shoot my bow. If you want to kill a grouse, use your bow. But sure <laughs> enough, you handed your bow over and I'm like, oh, well, okay. I'll just shoot. I'll just shoot with your bow. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was game for anything, man. We, I, I think it, I think we got busted or something that day. And I was a little frustrated. I was like, we got to we gotta shoot something, man. And I was looking at it, and I was thinking about how hungry I was, too. I was like, well, 
we'll mix this bad boy in with a mountain house and see how it tastes tonight. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean I think we had some encounter, but I don't think it was a good one. Yeah, something happened. Yeah, well, so I guess with that, we can kind of jump back a little bit here. Um, I, you can kind of go through um, maybe a, a little bit of what I glossed over, kind of maybe what you feel we did right along with what you feel we did wrong. Um, and Oh, on that can, spike? Uh, well, no, I just, I guess, starting day one, kind of as we went through. Oh. Um, I know when I started a minute ago, you said I kind of jumped over a lot of stuff, but, um, and, um, uh, I also want to point out that I am, I'm going to do a podcast, uh, with Steven too, um, to really tell his story. Cause I, I want his perspective of, um, kind of what happened with him on this hunt. Um, so anyways, totally. Yeah, so uh, you know, I'll definitely, I'll, uh, I won't get into that piece, but um, no, I mean, as far as what we did right, I mean, we went out and we had fun for eight days. That's the truth, man. And that's the end of it, man. I mean, we went out and we learned. Um, yeah, we screwed some things up. We had some opportunities. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had an oppor- we had an opportunity almost every day. Yeah. Um, some higher quality than others, but um, you know, we went out and had fun. We we learned it. That, that's the and that's the only way to do it. Um, right. There's, all, there's only so much. Like the podcast has got me out there, mm-hmm. um, but there you can't you can't listen to podcasts and read books and forums and and things and just expect to go out and kill one first time you go. Like right, there's just it's that feeling of what shot to take and what not to, and when you charge an elk and you sound like an elk, versus when you try to slip in quiet and you know when to call when not to call. Mm-hmm. All of that is you know, just a makeup of experience. You, I mean, I know, I know you think I'm some sort of, um, some sort of guru because we got onto elk every, every day, but (laughs) uh, dude, I mean, I've been doing it for four years and, and I made, I made all the same mistakes that you would have made if you, if I wasn't there, you know? Right. I'm just a little farther down the curve. That's it, man. Well, yeah. And I mean, I think that's important. And, um, I think it, it was important for for me to make those mistakes this year too, because, right. Um, I mean, everybody should really go into this understanding, especially if if you're just taking what you can get off of podcasts and what you can get off of the internet. You kind of got to go in knowing you're gonna mess it up. You're gonna you're gonna spook something. You're gonna you're gonna learn the hard way, but. It's the only way you'll be able to react the way you think you should uh, in that moment and make that right decision. And and sometimes, too, the right decision is just dumb luck. I mean, oh, totally. It yeah. comes down to it so often. And because I, I can say that I listen to, um, I probably listen to more content on what to do than most people are capable of because I can put in headphones for 10 hours a day while I work and just nonstop listen to stuff. Um, and I knew what to do in so many situations, but when you're in that situation, it's just like trying to learn something brand, anything brand new. It's you, you freeze up in the moment, you know? Yeah, absolutely. 
and you start overthinking it really you know it's just it definitely pays off and unfortunately it's going to cost you money it's going to cost you time um but if if you have a passion for that adventure it it pays off down the road a lot i mean dude i left that mountain empty-handed so happy i mean just grin on my face i felt like a million bucks you know you even though even though i'm a little sore i'm tired i'm kind of beat up i you feel so damn accomplished and you you especially in some of the nerfed up world that we live in today you feel like a different kind of man doing this totally. you know totally. yeah you you look at people and realize oh yeah you, there's a lot of people out there who not only can't do this they they couldn't even survive for a week right you know and it's there's something to be said about that too man it's cool yeah absolutely it's a good feeling I mean, 100% agree. Yeah, it's and that's what keeps me going back, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. ho- hopefully I have more success than my past my past trend, but you know, even even then it's not even about that. Like, you know, we can get into this another time, but the the buck you shot in Idaho, the bear that you shot in Cali. Mm-hmm. I had just as much fun watching you pull the trigger on those animals as I would have as as any time I've ever killed an animal. Yeah. Like it's you're out there, you're in God's country, you're, you know, direct line to God, no, no cell towers, no smog. It's, it's you, him and the world he created. And Mm -hmm. it's, and you're, you get to be a part of it in a wild way. Yeah. There's there's just nothing like it. People don't understand. I try to explain it to them at work and they, I mean, they don't get it. (laughs) So it's, you know, it's like. They're like, oh, that's cool. I'm like, yeah, no, it, it is. <laughs> it, it is um, cool, cooler than you'll ever know. But it's all good, man, as long as it's there for me. Right. Right. I mean, I, I do the best I can to explain it to people, too. You know, it's um, just just explain it good enough to to hopefully take away that that, oh, you're killing an animal thing that people say as they're eating a cheeseburger right but (laughs) you know so i just i i I take it upon myself now as politely and nicely as nice as i can to you know explain what it is and explain what i get out of it and what it provides for myself and my family and you know you know your whole life i mean it's it, it it's not just um, it's not just those moments you're in the mountain, man. I mean, you and I, you, we've been prepping for this for a whole year. I mean, we got ready. We we never stopped training. You know, it's we especially myself. I knew what I needed to be capable of after going out a few times with you, and yeah, and your yeah. your psychotic. Uh, just another mile hikes in, hikes in. That's about a mile. <laughs> about a mile, and then then we're we're we make that mile, and then you're like, okay, last mile. We just got to go up the hill now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um, 
I learned really quick what physically what it required and it changed my life on that aspect too. I spent, I probably, when we first met, I probably spent five years or so until we started hunting together, convincing myself that I worked out or I, or I tried to every now and then. And I kept telling myself, Oh, I'm going to hit the gym and it never happened. And then the first year I spent as much time as I could devote to it. And I noticed a big difference. It was after the bear hunt. I noticed yeah. a difference in myself. And by the time I got to Idaho, I noticed a difference. And I still got my ass kicked in Idaho. So I stepped yeah. it up and changed the game. And it it made me feel this year like like I, w- I went from just making it to thriving. Yeah. Yeah. You, um, I mean, I think that's completely fair. Um, you were a different, you were a different man on the mountain this year. I noticed a big difference. I wasn't constantly looking back. Yeah. And usually I'm the slow plotter. (laughs) (laughs) I can walk for miles, but I'm not doing it fast. Uh, yeah. And I, and you got quicker this year too. And so for me, I went from I went from staring at your ass from 40 <laughs> yards away to now staring at your ass from about 10 feet away. Right. And the only reason you're not leading is because, I mean, you're, you're expecting me to tell you, you know, to, to guide the way with my pretty much slightly, yeah. slightly stronger experience. Yeah. I'm still rookieing it. Yeah. It's not because of physical ability this time. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you said something a minute ago about coming home empty. Uh-huh. Handed. So, um, do you remember what I what I told you to do before you showed up to, to help um, increase your odds of not coming home empty-handed? I do not. <laughs> I said, "Hey, you know, I see I see good bucks every year. You might uh, might want to pick up a deer tag." Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this year I drew, I drew a rifle tag, which I wound up filling. Um, so I, I wasn't eligible to pick up the archery tag, uh, or second tag, but, uh, how many, how many bucks did we see on this trip? Well, let's start with what the three bucks that just, just moseyed through our camp. Yeah. That's a good place to start. That's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. (laughs) Um, In one morning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it was that. It was, what, day day three? Because it rained (laughs) all night, right? It rained that night. Uh Uh-huh. And we looked at each other and said, I'm not not going out and getting wet. Um, The rain was supposed to pass. It was only supposed to rain for half a day. So we just said, screw it. Slept in a little bit. Mm -hmm. Hung out at camp. Kept all our gear dry. And uh, what what happened? What happened at about eight? I don't know, eight thirty in the morning when we're just kind of you know drying things off and eating breakfast. You just <laughs> faintly hear do 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 and then a beautiful little buck just runs right through <laughs> and stops I mean, for a second, yeah. gives us a minute to look at him, and then just keeps going. I mean, not even that, like. If I had, if I had the interest, I probably could have tackled him to the ground. Oh yeah, he was close enough. Oh yeah, he what like ten feet from my tent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Totally. And then, yeah, just a little while later, another one, just another, like, just on the other side, like 10 feet from your hammock. Yeah. <laughs> and then don't even get me started on the two we saw walking out oh, the last night. Those bombers, I've never man. seen, I think those, now granted, we saw these at, what, r- roughly 60 yards away or so? Yeah, 50, 50, 60 yards, and they were moving. They, we were never going to get a shot at them. I, we, I, can, I can honestly say, though, at that distance, those were the biggest bucks I've ever seen in person in my oh, life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mass and trash. They weren't super wide, but they had the mass. They're amazing 4 by 4 frames with kickers. Mm-hmm. Uh, with cheaters on both sides out the out the side, I think one good cheater on each side, and then a couple a couple little uh, thorns on both of them. Like they look like they could be brothers. Yeah, just bomber deer, beautiful bucks. Yeah, but fair enough, man. If I would have just <laughs> bought that stupid tag, I definitely would not have been empty-handed. That would have been like. That would have been just a, a, a trail hike back to the truck. Oh, yeah. And would have been rocking and rolling. Would have been back out real quick and still chasing elk. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Wouldn't have even changed the hunt much. No, not at all. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> um, and actually, so something I wanted to talk about to get into it from um, right before we saw those big bucks. My last day was... Yeah, that was the day we went deep. Kind of a highlight to me. And and it was actually... So, I mean, we really bombed in there all day. And really, I was that one of the days? Because I know I was looking at, I was looking at um, distances each day. Or I can't remember if Steven brought it up one day. Like one day we did almost 12 miles in a circle. Yeah, that well, Stephen wasn't with us that day. Oh, okay, then that was probably me who pulled that up on the map or something. Yeah, but he'd left, but I mean, that was that was, yeah, that was a 10 or 12 mile day. So, so after we, um, we went through there, uh, we we went deep, we found sheds, we found, uh, we found all kinds of cool stuff, except for elk. <laughs> yeah, well, no, we, I mean, you didn't see well, it, but, yeah, but there was that rag, it. there was that rag four. Yeah. Bombing across the canyon that I, uh, I got a little excited and bugled at. So, so we finally found our trail to take us back to camp, um, and it was getting close to dark. We walked. Oh, that was the Blair Witch Project day. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was creepy. Yeah, you know, you know, I, I'm gonna go ahead and say it since I called it out. But mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't get scared of a lot of stuff. But every once in a while, I just get that weird rando feeling. And that yeah. spot, that spot where we came up, because I had never been to that spot before, and never, never had, never found the trail from from that direction before. And it was, it was blow down, and the late, the light was fading, and we found it like, found just a bunch of like we found a dead squirrel and a dead bird i think uh-huh. like it just it just felt very blair witchy and you know i'm 
you know, I feel like I'm a capable man, but that <laughs> I'm telling you, man, the, those woods got in my brain and I was not having it. Um, which you, which you noticed because I think uh-huh. I went like, I went like full panic and I like, uh, I just started marching and looking for that trail as hard as I could. Oh yeah. And, uh, I, I definitely noticed and I was trying to kind of stay lighthearted. Um, <laughs> but I was getting the same feeling and it didn't help that we found the creepiest camp I have ever seen in my life. We, you remember that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that didn't help it. No, I mean like it felt like somebody was living there full time. Yes. And that's the way it looked. It, it just with blue tarps set up and like yeah. in, in the middle of this just dark, just overgrown Blair witchy area, like you said, and yeah. all the, all the fall down and everything. It just, I, before we saw that we were getting that like mountain lion vibe. Right. Know? Right. And then we see that and we're like, Hmm. Well, and yeah. then we found the deadhead. That's right. <laughs> right. The four by four deadhead that was yep. all mossed up. We got killed, killed the season prior. Yeah. Yeah. Very close to that, that camp. Yep. And, um, yeah, that, uh, that definitely got weird. Um, and we got out of there, we hit trailhead. And then as soon as we found trail, um, we found the owner of the camp, which ended up being a really cool dude. Yeah. Yeah. And in he, in, in fairness to his camp, like someone came through and thrashed it or something. And then I, I think they were still in, in midst of repairing it. So yeah, you know, that made me feel a little better, but yeah, he's just up there on the ridge top talking to his wife. I mean, completely normal yeah. dude. Found cell service, which yeah. was blew me away. I think, cause for some reason I think I was under the impression the only way in was the way we came in. And I'm like, God, these people, came in here and camped and then i realized they just shipped it up the other side of the mountain yeah yeah um but so anyways we uh we got back on the trail and we're heading back to camp and yeah you had you had a shed i had a deadhead uh-huh. and i i'd found i had found a like a 42 48 inch shed the other uh a couple days before like it was pretty cool for picking up stuff oh yeah it was a good oh, hunt for souvenirs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I gave uh I gave my shed to to Marilyn. She was so pumped to get That's that awesome. and she's uh she's got it up on her her little bookshelf in her room. She loves it. <laughs> so cool. Um so so as we were going down the trail and starting to lose light on my last day, you stopped me and pointed up and we looked up and saw a herd of doe or a herd of cows. And um we saw them making their way down and I would say what they were about 300 yards up something like that. Oh, not even not even that far. Oh, really? Yeah. It felt a lot farther, but 100 or 100 <laughs> or less, but it was bush it was brushy. Oh, okay. So I mean, so they I were, remember, it, was a, it was a fair bit. It was a fair bit. Yeah. But. Well, so I remember them coming down, and we knew they were about to cross. And before they crossed, both of us saw the bull that was behind them. Yeah. 
um, back up at the top. So yes, about a hundred yards up. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. And talking about um, not making the right decision, I guess. <laughs> For some reason, both of us decided, and neither of us said anything or thought about it, to just freeze where we were and let the cows pass and wait for the bull to come behind them. When we were standing in the middle of the trails, the trail and that cow was, those cows were obviously going to see us. And they did. And they did. And they, they lightly trotted off. They didn't freak out. They didn't run or anything like that. And we sat there waiting for that bull to cross in the same spot. And I sat there hooked up, realizing I've got a 20-yard shot I'm going to take. And, dude, my heart's pounding. I'm like, I'm questioning. Go back to what's, what an ethical shot is at a certain distance. I was questioning if I could pull my bow back. <laughs> <laughs> I was, my heart was pounding so much. And I'm waiting and waiting and what we're losing light and finally look at each other. And, um, you actually threw me off cause you asked me what I want to do. <laughs> and I was like, well, I guess throw out a bugle. And I figured my thought was we're in between a bull and his cows. So let's piss them off. Right. Yep. And, um wind seemed good everything seemed good and you threw out that bugle and we got some kind of response like 40 yards 50 yards below us right and that damn thing yeah yeah either either it magically flew over us or it ninja'd its way you know uh, 100 yards down and then crossed the road yeah which in hindsight, seems so obvious, <laughs> you know, and it's like, of course, he, these things, these things can hear a, a gnat fart. What makes me think that they're not going to hear these cows run off right? when they're within, you know, 100 yards or so? And absolutely it did. And it, it trotted down probably another 100 yards and then crossed the trail. But that that was a really eye-opening kind of experience for me to realize just, just a, one more reminder before I went home, packed up and left. And it was one more reminder of how much smarter these animals were than me that weekend. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's life and death for them, right? It's yeah. the way we live as humans. It's, it's a hobby. Um, it's, you know, some guys consider it a way of life, but at the end of the day, you can go down and buy a cheeseburger if you don't kill an elk. That's true. Um, you know, these elk, there's no coming back from when an arrow goes through your heart. So yeah, it's, it's, you know, and it, it, it takes you to how, um, you know, these, these decisions while maybe unlucky for us or life and death for them mm-hmm. gives you, it gives you kind of a, a stronger respect for the game. Right. And, and, and to me, like, that makes me want to earn it and not get lucky. Yeah. You know, that, that makes, if, if I'm going to take a life like that, I, I want to make sure that I'm doing it correctly, that I'm doing it respectfully, that, 
that I'm doing it in a way that's not cheap or, um, or disrespectful of that, of that animal's life. Absolutely. And like that, that's just, and it's just, it just ups, it ups the game for me. It, the higher the stakes, the, the more interesting the game. Um, and I, you know, I say game cause it, you know, it's a game for us. Right. Um, I mean, it's meat in the freezer and it's other things, but it's, but at the end of the day, it's, it's something that I choose to do that I don't have to do to survive. Right. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Like the, when, when you are faced against an opponent who makes decisions on a, on a routine basis just to stay alive, like it gives you a whole new respect for life, for how it works, for all that stuff. And it's just, oh, I, I'm getting so jacked just talking about it again, <laughs> you know, because it's, it's real. There's, there's so many things in this world that are fake, and mm-hmm. it, it drives me bananas, and I'll try, I'll try not to go off on that rant. But <laughs> No, it's all right. <laughs> hunting is real. It is something yeah. very real, and you make a bad decision, and you don't come home with meat. You make a good decision and you come home with meat. But if you make the, a good decision and an elk makes a bad decision, they're done. They're out of the gene pool. They go home in bags. Yeah. And you know, it's it, it, that, kind of, that, that kind of reality of life and death and situation, it's something lost on 90, 90% of the American population. Yeah. I'll oh, say absolutely. I'll say first world countries. I'll say ninety percent of first world countries. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So, but yeah, to, I mean, awesome. And, in, and to hear him bugle down down below us and behind us, yeah. it was like the ultimate fu. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was. It was. It was. In my eyes, him telling me, you know, pack up your shit and go home, boy. <laughs> it's like yep. you didn't do it. No, not today, son. Not today. (laughs) I was like, you're right. You got me. (laughs) Dang it. Yeah. I mean, Uh, you know, I think, uh, I think there's, there's a lot to be learned from this and, um, uh, there's going to be a lot, uh, a lot to go over too with Steven when I get a chance to talk with him about his situation and, um, you know, but it's, I mean, this is just beginning for us, man. I think there's a lot more of these adventures in the books. Totally, man. Um, and uh, if you're good on time here, there's something else I, I wanted to get into for a minute. Um, yeah, it, totally. It, it's kind of fascinates with me, me with everybody who, um, who does a bit of a fitness transformation. Um, and you and I kind of kind of did ours kind of at the same time. Um, but I've obviously seen a big difference in you as well as what you've seen in me. Um, I just kind of want to know what, uh, what, what did you do that you felt, um, can be your, your workout routine, part of your schedule that's going to benefit you in everyday life, but also, that's going to benefit you on the mountain. Mm. Um, uh, balance. 
So, so in trying to figure out my plan, I, the first thing I did was I started running and I started running consistently. I started running three to five miles a day, six days a week. Um, and I got lean real fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is in a time where I was changing, changing career paths a little bit. Uh, I was working a job where my average work week was 65 hours behind a desk, jamming calories in instead of getting sleep. And uh, turned into pretty uh, disgusting fat body, to be honest. Um, <laughs> so, you know, change jobs. I, I, I work um, for for a little company uh, up here in in Beaverton, Oregon. Uh, you might you might have known it. Their their symbol is uh, it's been described as a swoosh. Um, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, you know, make some shoes and pretty into fitness and that kind of thing. Oh, that's cool. So, you know, as, <laughs> as, as much as the company isn't necessarily a hunting industry company, it is uh, right. a phenomenal place to work um, as an individual with outside interests. And, hmm. um, and fitness is a very big part of the, the culture here. So, um, so with that came, came access to the ability to spend a little bit more time and focus on it. Um, but again, I, I started running kind of to start my transformation and then I got real weak, um, wasn't lifting. So started mixing lifting in and then I got, then I overdid it on the lifting. I was lifting five days a week, got real strong, but had no endurance or cardio. Okay. And, and, yeah. um, <clears throat> and then really started to kind of what I, what I favor these days is, uh, it's like a CrossFit style workout. Um, there's actually an app for it, not to, not to plug it, just just because you asked what I use. Mm-hmm. Um, there, it, yeah. it's called Nike Nike Train Club. Um, okay. And it's you know it, it's any it's it's a lot of CrossFit style stuff. It's running stairs, it's burpees, it's uh, walking lunges, it's overhead press, it's uh, a lot of you know medium to high intensity work with dumbbells and and body weight, yeah. plyo and abs and stuff. So that's pretty well rounded. Um, I still try to run. I've been run. I run 10 K's pretty, pretty regularly, at least, uh, at least two a month. Um, you know, not, not formal nice. races. I just, just get out there and run them. Right. Yeah. Uh, and try to have at least, at least two to three run days a week. So, you know, I think, but I think balance is the key because, you know, we, we noticed it, um, you know, hiking in, you need the endurance, and right. then hiking out, you need some pretty pretty brute strength to carry some of those loads. Um, yes. You know when I, I I killed that I kill I filled my rifle tag this year and I shot it, you know a thousand feet up and a mile and a half two miles from the truck, and uh, I quartered that thing out, put the whole deer and all my gear in my backpack. You know my pack weighed, it wasn't a big deer, but my pack weighed you know ninety to a hundred pounds. And uh, I carried that thing out for the solid mile and a half, and and down the twelve hundred or I'm sorry, eight eight hundred feet of elevation gain. So, um, you you need to be balanced, I guess is is what I would say. So right. that mix of cardio and strength. I um, does that kind of answer your question? I don't know. If yeah, I... yeah. I mean, it really does. And 
I wish that wasn't the answer because I still haven't convinced myself to run. So yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I I got I got onto it a little bit there for a minute, and um, see, so I had an issue. Dude, here here's the deal: running sucks, and you just yeah. have to, have to embrace it. <laughs> running, unless unless you're crazy, you know. Brian Barney from that Eastman's Elevated podcast, which is a good podcast as well. He's uh-huh. a trail runner. He runs marathons. He he's a runner. He's a running son of a gun. Um, mm-hmm. he, he, he's just wired that way. Right. I, I'm not. 10K, like, it's, it's not even about the effort. I just, it's just boring. Yeah. Just, so that's about as far as I can go without, uh, without just calling a cab and saying, screw it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got me by about 10K, so... you know i um i when i started working out i kind of started geeking out on um on weightlifting and made all the common mistakes and started trying to add weight and do all these cool lifts and started learning them wrong and had to start all over and learn form properly on everything um and I think the biggest the biggest change for me was uh, I started using an app uh, called Fitbod, and it basically you know I give it my time window, I give it my uh, what my goal is, I tell it what equipment I have and everything, and it, it calculates it all for me. Um, and basically, it comes up with every workout. It it tells me what my recovery time is for each muscle group and this and that. Um, but I think what I benefited from it was that I was working out, um, muscles that I'd never actually used before when I would try to work out and I would just go to the gym and do the bro science workouts and do bench presses, deadlifts and shoulder presses and just not really know what I was doing. Um, and he, I think I, even from that, there was little differences I noticed in my, um, in my time on the mountain because it wasn't just squats. It was, you know, all these different variations of the kettlebell and, and getting into pistol squats and all this different stuff that worked out so many different parts of your legs. Oh yeah. On leg day. And all the connective and stability muscles. Yeah, the ones everybody forgets about. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I, I think that was that was huge for me. And I, I looked at it and realized I needed something like that app because I started thinking about it. And I was like, you know, this doesn't make any sense. Everything else I do, I do art with archery and, um, you know, hunting and everything. I try to be calculated and I try to get the most out of my time practicing. Like, you know, when I'm shooting my target bow, I, I I don't just go and fling arrows anymore at a spot. I, I try to make something out of it every time I practice. I either, I'm, um, I'm doing some kind of mini tournament with myself or, or, or whatever, you know, I come up with some game that that's kind of effective to help me when I compete. So I'm like, when I'm lifting weights, I'm just guessing. And that, that doesn't make any sense at all to just, and 
I went from trying to work out for an hour and a half to two hours, not knowing what I was doing and just trying to kill a muscle group till I couldn't lift my arms anymore or whatever to getting a really effective workout in between 45 minutes and an hour a day, you know, four days a week. And, and I noticed a difference in my body after doing it like that. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a right way and a wrong way and it, 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 it makes a difference. Um, you know, to your point, I used to do the same thing. So I, you know, I got my intro to weightlifting and football. Um, yeah. and it was always, it was, uh, clean squats and bench press. Um, let's see, you know, if the coach caught us doing arm curls, man, he'd, he'd, uh, <laughs> wallop us pretty good. And, <laughs> And so, like, I just stayed on with those three basic lifts kind of all through college, mm-hmm. through the first part of my career. Um, and, you know, my, my bench got strong. Um, yeah. My front squats were great. Um, and my cleans always stayed good. But I was, you know, to your point, like, there was my, – my bicep curls were, were terrible um, for a while. And my shoulders were a little weak. Uh, and then my core, oh, everybody ignores the core because it's like running. It sucks. Yeah. Um, but the core, I mean, you, you can have a strong top and a strong bottom, but if you're jelly in the middle, it doesn't mean crap. Um, so like really hardcore balance. And that's where I find like these apps that, that make you balance, that put you on programs. Uh, as long as it's intelligent and, and whole mm-hmm. body focused, I mean, that's, that's the way to go. Yeah. Um, and even like as you go through the year cycling. So my whole summer is endurance focused. Uh, I, I do very little heavy lifting during the summer. Okay. Yeah. Um, because I, I, I have no interest in getting hurt a lot of, so it's a lot of pack training, um, right. a lot of endurance, a lot of core, a lot of stability. And then hunting season is mostly cardio just to keep the heart rate. Um, and then I, then I heavy lift through the winter. Yeah. And any, any strength goals that I want to get, I, I get back to them. And then right around when the spring starts to hit up, um, I've gotten, I've gotten a little bulky and I need to start trimming up again. So I start running again. Okay. And that, that cycle has proved out, it's proved out to work pretty well. Um, so you don't get used to the same thing too much, but, um, but yeah, so uh, but 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 I think balance and, and rotation is the key. And uh, boy, you, you need to get running. <laughs> uh, I know. I'll tell you. All right, let me tell you what happened. <laughs> I I I left I left Oregon this year with that that high feeling of just conquering the mountain or whatever you know, and and thriving for the week and feeling good and loving what I did and. I, I think I, I stopped, I, I took, I hit a rest stop or something, decided I'm going to eat some, some lunch and kick back for a minute. And I'm sitting there eating and I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to run a marathon when I get back home. I think I can do that. I like, I I think I want to, I want to find one and pick some time apart and, and just go for it. Just go for a marathon. And I'll, I'll, I'll give myself, you know, however many months to train leading up to it, three or four. I think I can do it. And 
I'm scrolling through my phone trying to find marathons near me in Fresno. And I'm like, all right, I got to go, though. So, you know, I hit the road. I get back home. And I get home. I, I sit down and open up my phone. And it's on the internet browser looking for marathons. I'm looking at it and I'm like, yeah, I knew, I'm not running a fucking marathon. <laughs> 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 it, took, it took about one day of being back at home to yeah. talk myself out of it. <laughs> that is amazing. So, so lately I've been uh, listening to some different podcasts and stuff that have been talking about people running and, it's got me all uh, amped up on that and wanting to do that. So I don't know. Maybe uh, you know what? It, what helps is when you and I were texting each other some of our our stuff we were doing and our workouts and stuff like that. I'm thinking maybe we need to come up with a like a little fitness challenge for each other, leading into okay. season, or maybe maybe have it end a couple of months before season or something like that. So totally. So if we go crazy and try to push ourselves, we have time to recover, but <laughs> dude, that'd be fun. Um, I'll send you, I'll send you my current weightlifting goals okay. and, and, and my current, uh, and then my 10 K, my 10 K race time or not race time, but my 10 K speed, speed time. All right. And then, uh, we can kind of check and adjust and go from there. That'd be fun. Heck yeah. We'll make something happen. That'd be good. Cool. Right on. Well, um, Let's see. Trying to think if I left anything out I learned the hard way in Oregon this year. Oh, um, man. Besides the fact that you can't read a map? That, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I can't read, apparently, an Onyx map that tells me exactly where to go. I know. And it ain't the map's fault. Those are good maps. And, uh, yeah. No, it was a good map. <laughs> and I think... I think we have plenty of other things to talk about maybe on other episodes, but, uh, yeah. yeah, but definitely. I think, I think we covered the, the Oregon archery elk hunt. Um, yeah, I will definitely. say, I will say the best part, one of the best parts about going into these, these backcountry places is mm -hmm. you get to place, you get to towns where they have the old fashioned burger drive-ins <laughs> and you know what I'm about to say. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. There is an animosity in America these days towards pineapple milkshakes that is completely unfounded and unreasonable. Oh, and I have you... to drive five hours from my house to find a decent pineapple milkshake, old school, old fashioned, with a greasy burger that tastes amazing after nine days on the mountain. And that is ridiculous. You, you drink that garbage every time you come to Fresno, too. It drives me nuts, man. Well, Fresno waste a milkshake on pineapple. Places. You can't have a milkshake <laughs> with something that, that crazy people put on pizza, too. Oh, now you're just you're putting a dagger in my heart. Oh, gosh, man. Hawaiian pizza, man. It's the only pizza there is. No, no, no fruit on pizza. <laughs> fruit and cheese don't go together. The heck they don't. You ever put a piece of cheddar cheese on on hot, hot apple hot apple pie? No, dude, that's money. It's money. 
No, I put ice cream on hot apple pie, man. Well, that works too, but cheese, <laughs> cheddar, cheddar cheese, sharp cheddar cheese melted on the hot apple pie. It's amazing. No, that that does not no. Yeah. <laughs> you ever done you ever done cream cheese and fresh chocolate chip cookies? Uh no. No, that you're losing is, me on that one too, man. Dude. I I'll tell you what, I can I can fat kid it up with the best of them. Oh my god. And I thought I was bad with my mountain houses, man. Oh no Jesus. way. Jesus. I I <laughs> <laughs> I was a fat kid before you were born. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah. So speaking of which, I need to go get my running gear together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I need to go buy some. Um, you uh, can always uh, you can always talk to that, that swoosh place you work at and see if they can't sponsor my podcast and send me some. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. No, I can get you past the store though. So, yeah, that'll work. There we go. For now. Yeah. <laughs> well, right on, man. Um, yeah, I think we kind of uh, answered everything I kind of wanted to talk about and question some of the questions I had for you. Um, and I think this is kind of a good intro for you on the podcast. You're going to be on this, I'm sure, quite a bit. Um, and we're going to have a lot to go over. And this was my first one over the phone. So now that I know this all works, I think, uh, I think there'll be plenty more of these to come. Um, and actually, um, we got to figure out another one we're going to do uh, when you come to visit for the holidays. Because we definitely got to do one in person, too. We do. Yeah, we'll, we'll make that happen. Yeah, it was, it was a pleasure, man. It's fun. It's, you know, it, it's fun just talking about this stuff. Um, yeah. So you know, once um, once we get the technology sorted out, it's actually uh, it's just like it's just like catching up. So it gives us a good excuse to talk. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. And we'll uh, plan out some more hunts soon and all that good stuff. But for the time being, I guess we can lick or I can lick my wounds from this season. You got yourself a buck, so you should definitely I did. be proud of that. Uh, I, I did, and I am. Yeah, it was uh, it was a big big season for me. Good turning point. So yeah, that was fun. We can get into that another day. Definitely, definitely. All right, man. Um, All right, brother. As always, pleasure to pleasure to chat with you. Absolutely, good talking to you too. And thanks for being on the podcast, man. Some yeah, my my pleasure. It was fun. All right, later. Uh, catch you later. Bye, bud. <laughs>